0: Welcome to Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. Sharon has a passion for Scripture that will motivate and challenge you to immerse yourself in God's Word and apply His message to your everyday life. Visit SeekingTruth.net to learn more about bringing Seeking Truth to your parish or to become an online learner. Today, it's part three of the second book of Samuel, chapters five through eight, and now Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. Remember, the tribe of Levi were ordained as Levitical priests after the golden calf apostasy. We talked about that last week. The people couldn't even last a few days without a priesthood. Fallen humans always need a priesthood. Even us, full of the Holy Spirit, man, I got to go to confession. I need a priesthood, and I'm a redeemed daughter of God, and I need a priesthood. The priesthood is bestowed on David. He becomes a priest-king. The Melchizedekian priesthood is fully fulfilled in Jesus Christ as priest, victim, and king. He's the victim sacrifice, Christ. That's how Christ goes one-up. He's the anti-type, the greatest type. Christ himself was victim of the perfect, blemish-free sacrifice. Himself, he's the Lamb of God. God did provide Jehovah Jireh. God did provide Abraham with a ram in the thicket on the mountain of peace, Jireh Shalom. But the Lamb of God, Jesus, was also caught in a thicket of thorns, a crown made for the king that they mocked, that we mocked. On that same mountain, Jehovah Jireh, Jireh Shalom, God will provide. God will provide. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord the eternal high priest in the line of melchizedek who like a good shepherd he feeds his flock isaiah told us that and what does he feed us what does he feed us the shepherd eternal life if you eat from the hand of the shepherd the hand of his priesthood on earth you will never die feeding from the hand of the good shepherd the good shepherd wants to give you something that will make you live forever the medicine of immortality you will live forever if you eat this You will never die. We need a priesthood in persona Christi, in person of Christ, to give us this bread forever. It's a perpetual offering. You are a priest forever. According to the order of Melchizedek, how's God going to feed his people forever for the rest of the world until he comes back a second time? This way, through this priesthood, in the line of Melchizedek, David dwelt in the stronghold and called it the city of David, Jerusalem. David built the city around the Milo inward. There's what a Milo is. It's like a terraced construction on top of a steep slope in which they could build houses and dwellings. It looked like this in the days of David. David became greater and greater, for the Lord God of hosts was with him. And Hiram, the king of Tyre, way up there in Tyre, sent messengers to David and cedar trees and carpenters and masons to build David a house. But the Lebanons, the cedars of Lebanon, greatest lumber in that part of the world. And David proceeded to become king of Israel. He was exalted in his kingdom for the sake of his people. And guess what he did? He took more concubines and wives. Oh, oh, ro-ro. Because in Deuteronomy 17, the Lord strongly said, If you have a king, he shall not multiply wives for himself, lest his heart turn away, nor shall he greatly multiply for himself silver and gold. Well, when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed as king over Israel, they went up in search of David, and David retreated to the stronghold. And David did as the Lord God commanded him, and he smote the Philistines from Geba to Gazer. And David gathered 30,000 chosen men of Israel, and they are going to go retrieve the ark of God, who it's been stored for 20 years. And they are going to get the ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord of hosts, who sits enthroned on the cherubim. On the mercy seat is where the God Almighty sits between the cherubim. He sends 30,000 men to go get the Ark of God. He knows this is important. The Lord of hosts who sits enthroned on the cherubim. The last mention of the Ark of God we had was in 1 Samuel 7. When it had come back from the land of the Philistines, the Philistines had captured the Ark. They had it, but when Israel retrieved it back, it sat at the house of Abinadab for 20 years a long time has passed. It's some 20 years. We know this from Samuel 1.7. So they carry the Ark of God upon a new cart and brought it out from the house of Abinadad, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Eloh, the sons of Abinadab, were driving the new cart with the Ark of God. And Ahilua went before the Ark. It's a brand new cart, only the best for our God, only the best. But is that how they were supposed to transport the Ark of God? Well, in 1 Samuel 4, the word of Samuel came to Israel that the Ark of God had been captured. And they, it, it was, they took it and they had put it in the Temple of Dagon, remember? And then it became like a hot potato because all the people started getting plagues and sickness and nobody, none of the Philistine cities, those five cities, no one wanted the Ark. They passed it around like a hot potato. Remember that? The ark was sent away by the Philistines, and they put it on a cart, and they sent it off, get rid of it, and they put these oxen, and they put it on, and and off it went. And do you remember when it came over the hill, when they were returning, the Philistines were returning the ark, they didn't want it, and they had had it for seven months, and they were advised, don't send it back empty, you better put something inside it for the people as a peace offering, you know. Well, Israel was out in the field, gleaning, and they see the ark of God coming over the hill on the ark. And the men took two milk cows and yoked them to the ark and shut up the calves at home. Do you remember that? Those those mother cows. And they put inside of it, they put five golden mice and five golden tumors as a peace offering, remember? When it came up over the hill, they looked into the ark of the Lord, the Israelites, when it came to them, they looked inside of it. And you remember what happened when they lifted the lid and looked inside of it? Seventy men were struck dead who touched the ark, looked in the ark. Remember that? Seventy. Rule number one about the ark. Don't touch the ark. Always in Scripture, hands off, do not touch the ark. And God cannot make this more clearer, but he does it in stories over time. Remember his pedagogy, word and deed over time? So, The Philistines, they're they're not Israelites. They don't have the revealed word of God. They don't have Torah. They don't know how they're supposed to transport the ark. They put it on and off it went. They were just Philistines, you know. But the Israelites knew God's word. 20 years had passed. They built a brand new cart, only the best, 30,000 men. They're not Levites. They're just 30,000 chosen men. They forgot a few things about Torah in this time, didn't they? Because Israelites should know that the sacred way and the only way to carry the ark is the way that God prescribed in Deuteronomy 10. It had to be Levites. The tribe of Levi has to transport the ark and they're going to do it. They It's overlaid with pure gold. It has rings and it has poles so that no one dare touch the ark. And those poles can slide in and out. So they never, ever, 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 ever touch the ark. God made it that way. And only Levites can carry it. But the ark is very, very powerful in battle. All battles, spiritual battles too. But whenever they would set out, Moses would say, Arise, O Lord, and let thy enemies be scattered, and let them that hate thee flee before thee, and the ark would lead the way. Wherever they went, he was with them. The Ark was very powerful. And the number one rule always about the Ark is you do not touch the Ark. You do not ever lay a hand on the Ark. You don't look inside the Ark. You don't offer uncensored fire before the Ark. Remember Nabdab and Abihu? Aaron's own sons offered unholy, uncensored fire and they were blown off their socks and both were dead. Aaron's sons! They didn't reverence the ark and they burnt. They were killed. The Lord struck them dead and everyone saw it. And everyone knew, don't touch the ark. Don't touch the ark. Revere the ark. The ark is holy. The ark is holy. The ark is holy. Don't touch the ark. Hands off the ark. Don't touch the ark. So David's coming into Jerusalem with this ark on a cattle cart. David, the king of Israel. He had been king of Judah for seven years. He'd been copying Torah. The king had to copy Torah every single year. He's copied Torah seven times at least. And he doesn't remember this rule about how to transport the ark of God. David and all the house of Israel were playing Mary before the Lord with all their might, the songs and lyres, harps, tambourines, canastas. And David is dancing before the ark in his linen ephod. And, and he's dancing to the Lord with all his might. They get up to the threshing floor at Nakan. Uzzah, one of David's men, puts his hand out on the ark of God. He took hold of it because the ox, like, hit a pothole and it stumbled. And so Uzzah's just trying to steady the ark so it doesn't fall. Number one rule about the ark I don't care who you are, Uzzah, I don't care. You do not touch the ark. It shouldn't be on a cow cart. Hands off the ark. Don't touch the ark. It's for no human to touch. And Uzzah dies that day. The anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him right there because he put his hand forth to steady the ark. And he died there that day beside the ark of God. And David was angry because the Lord had broken forth upon Uzzah, his man who he placed to carry it. They named that place Perez Uzzah, the breach of Uzzah, a place where God burst forth upon Uzzah. David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? Has David ever been afraid in all these chapters that we've studied? Has David ever been afraid? No, he's a little boy in front of the giant. He wasn't afraid. He's never afraid because he always followed God's word. This time, he didn't follow God's word on how to transport the ark, and now he's afraid. How can the ark of the Lord come to me? Remember what these guys said when they opened the ark and 70 of them dropped dead? They said something very similar. Who is able to stand before the Lord, this holy God? And to whom shall he go up away from us? They were scared. So David's not willing to take the ark of the Lord into the city of David anymore. He's scared. This really freaked him out. and We've never seen David like this. And so David took it aside where they were near the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. And the Ark of the Lord remained at the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite for three months. And guess what happened? David's afraid of this thing. He doesn't want to be anywhere near it. But they give, this guy says, I'll take it. And, and he welcomes the Ark into his home. And we're told that the Lord God blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. What's that mean? How did God bless them? I was curious, what does this mean? The Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. So I went to the Hebrew rabbis, and the Hebrew Jamara says, what is that blessing with which Obed-Edom was blessed? And the rabbi answers, the blessing is Hamat and her eight daughter-in-laws, each of whom bore six in a single womb. What? What? And it is stated, Obed-Edom had sons, Fatulio being the eighth. And in the continuation of that same verse, it's written, God blessed him. Apparently, these eight children were the blessing. As it stated, each of the nine women gave birth to six sons for a total of 54 sons. And if one adds the original eight, there were 62 altogether. What? The ark is there for three months in the home of Obed-Edom. And in that time, there are nine sets of six tuplets, all male born. Nine women times each one having six sons each, 54 blessings, 54 sons in three months. That is a supernatural miracle of life and blessing, right? I know some of you really understand. Fifty-eight, fifty-four, and then the eight original sons of Obed-Edom, so sixty-two sons, and it's in recorded in 1 Chronicles 26. All these were the sons of Obed-Edom, they and their sons and their brethren, able men and strength for the service, sixty-two of Obed-Edom. Ah! <sighs> And these 62 are made gatekeepers. They are made gatekeepers. It's a sub-branch. It's not the Levitical priesthood, but they're a sub-branch that's able to be the gatekeepers. The blessing of Obed-Edom was life, life, life. Life is always a blessing to God. It's the greatest blessing he can give us. He's the author of life. God wants to show David, do not be afraid. The contents of the ark bring life, life, life. Jesus is the contents of the new ark. And what did he say? I have come so they might have life. And have it abundantly, have it to the full. God's all about life. It's a gospel of life. There's no death in God, ever. He conquered death. So it's told to David that the Lord God has blessed the household of obed and that all, all that belongs to him because the ark of God is in his house. See, obed has welcomed the ark of God with hospitality. And David went then and got that ark of God from the house of obed And he went to the city of David with rejoicing. David's not afraid anymore. He's going to take the ark back because he wants Israel blessed by God. He wants life and lots of children and lots of soldiers because he's the new king. And with those who bore the ark, the Lord had gone six paces Okay, so now see how they're carrying it differently, not on a card anymore. They're carrying it the right way through at the poles and the Levitical priests. And David immediately, as a priest, offers a sacrifice. Six steps they'd gone and stop let me offer a sacrifice. Some of the commentators, the Jewish commentators say every six steps he offered sacrifice. But the scripture says he offered sacrifice after six steps. We know that for sure. Maybe he did more. But David is totally acting as a priest and a king in a linen ephod, offering sacrifice before the Ark of the Covenant. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was girded with a linen ephod, priestly attire. So David and all the house of Israel brought the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the horn, the shofars were blowing. The ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Jirashalam, and Michal, the daughter of Saul, looked out the window. What's all the commotion? And she saw King David, her husband, leaping and dancing before the Lord in his ephod and she despised him in her heart. And the ark was brought in and set at its place, inside the tent, which David had pitched for it. See how he's following the rules now? And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord as a priest king. And David finished the offering, and then he did a peace offering, and then he blessed the people. That's king. That's priest, 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 priest. And he distributed to the people, guess what? Bread and raisins. That's fruit of the vine and work of human hands. Very priestly. And all the people departed, each to his own house. And David returned to bless his own household. That's another priestly thing he wanted to do. But Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David. And she said, the king of Israel honored himself today, uncovering himself totally before the eyes of the servant maids as one of the vulgar fellows shamelessly uncovers herself. He had taken off his kingly robes and stripped down to the linen ephod, the outfit of a priest. And she hates it. And David said to Mikkel, It was before the Lord who chose me above your father. That had to be a little sting. You know, when you're in a marital fight, you, you kind of know the buttons to push. It was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all his house to appoint me the prince over Israel, the people of the Lord, and I to make merry before the Lord. I will make myself yet more contemplable than this, and I will be abased in your eyes. But by the maids of whom you have spoken, by them, I, David, shall be held in honor. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. And God sealed her womb. No life, no blessing. So this Hebrew author is, has set up a great contrast for us to make sure we understand. True blessing at Obed-Edom's house, who welcomed the ark, the true presence of God, is blessed with life in abundance. That's 54 babies up there. Nine sets of six. Aren't they beautiful? Versus the curse of those who don't welcome the ark, don't welcome the true presence of God, like Mikhail. See the contrast? No life, emptiness, barrenness. God wants us to see. Life is a blessing. 2 Samuel 7, God's covenant with David. Now, when the king dwelt in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies round and about the king said to Nathan, the prophet, note that there is a new prophet on board. His name is Nathan. He's replaced Samuel. Okay. See how I dwell in a house of cedar, said David. These Lebanon cedars, I I dwell in this great house of cedar, but the ark of the God only has a tent to dwell in. And Nathan said to the king, go and do all that's in your heart because the Lord is with you, David. Do it. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan, the prophet, And he said, go tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, would you build me a house to dwell in? I have not dwelt in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day. I've been moving about in a tent all my life, says the Lord. And in all places where I have moved with all the people of Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel saying, why have you not built me a house of cedar? So the Lord's not desiring that right now. He's fine in this ark. So go tell David, my servant, thus says the Lord God, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, so that you would be prince over my people Israel. And I've been with you wherever you went, David. I've cut off your enemies from before you. And I, David, I will make you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. This is where the covenant's going to start. Who does that sound like? I will make for you a great name. Just like Genesis 12 and Abraham. I will make for you a great name. So God starts a covenant now with David. I'm going to appoint a place for my people Israel. I'm going to plant them. They've been nomads their whole life, wanderers. Now I'm going to plant them in Jerusalem, Jaira Shalam, that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall not afflict them anymore as formerly. From the time I appointed judges over my people Israel, I'm going to give you rest. I'm going to give you rest from your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares, to you, David, that the Lord's going to make for you a house. God doesn't mean build him a house. He means make him a royal lineage. And when your days are fulfilled, David, and you lie down with your fathers, that means when David's dead, I'm going to raise up your offspring after you, David, whom shall come forth from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. And he will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever, and I will be his father, and he will be my son. And when he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men, with the stripes of sons of men. He will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. He's talking about Solomon there, because Solomon's going to have to have some chastising. That's another story. But I will be his father, and he shall be my son. And when he commits iniquity, I will chasten him. But, But I will not take my steadfast love from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you, David. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established. How long? Forever. Now, in accordance with all these words and in accordance with this bishop, Nathan went and spoke to David. That's the Davidic covenant. Now, the Ark of the Covenant and the Ark of the New Covenant, the new, the new Ark of a new covenant. Forward, go forward 1,000 years, one millennium forward. We see Herod's temple in Jerusalem. This is the second temple. Solomon's has been destroyed. We went through a lot of history. I'm not going through it. We're at Herod's temple, time of Christ, in Jaira Shalom. Okay, it's a glorious city now. Great city wall, beautiful temple of Herod. But guess what? There's no ark. There's no ark there's no ark. It's been missing since the Babylonian exile. Jeremiah the prophet went up on the mountain where Moses had seen the inheritance of God. And in 2 Maccabees 2, we're told that Jeremiah found a cave. He brought the ark there, the tent, the ark, the altar of incense. He sealed it up. We're told that some followed him, followed Jeremiah. They, They were trying to mark the way so they could always know where to find the ark. When the war was over, they'd come back and get it. Jeremiah learned of it and he rebuked them. And he said, the place shall be unknown until God gathers his people together again and shows his mercy. And this is 2 Maccabees 2 still. And then the Lord will disclose these things and the glory of the Lord and the cloud will appear as they were shown the cave of Moses and as Solomon asked, the place shall be specially consecrated. Now, Mary is visited by Gabriel. Gabriel tells her the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High God will overshadow you. That's a very specific word in the Hebrew, in the Greek, episkiesu. You will be the child of that's going to be born is going to be holy, the Son of God. Now, in the Old Testament, this type of cloud, the epischiezu, the overshadowing by a cloud that is only found in presence of the Ark of the Covenant of God. True presence of God should be in the temple and the Holy of Holies is the holiest thing. It's missing. Mary is told this glory cloud now has overshadowed her. She's going to become a new Holy of Holies, a new temple. A new ark. We just celebrated Immaculate Conception December 8th. She has to be a holy, pure house of gold to house what the true presence of God is going to be inside her body. She is a pure house of gold, like an ark. That's one of her titles House of Gold, Tower of David. She's from David's line. She's going to be the new ark of a new covenant. That other one's missing. It's been sealed up. No one knows to this day, no one has ever found it because she's it. And they've looked, let me tell you. Coming to her, Gabriel said, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. Hail, Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. That's kereketomene in the Greek. It is a perfect passive participle. It means the action was in the past, it's in the present, and it's in the future. Gabriel is actually saying, Mary, you're full of grace. You were always full of grace, and you will always continue to be full of grace in the future. She was greatly troubled and she wondered what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said, Don't be afraid, Mary. (laughs) She's afraid like David was. Don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. Who else found favor with God? Noah. The only other time that's used. Noah, the one righteous man. Don't be afraid. The Lord is with you. You have found favor just like Noah. In the King James Version, it says, Noah has found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And the angel tells Mary, She's full of grace. Don't be afraid. Every good Jew knows, all throughout their history, if if God says, don't be afraid, it's always followed with a battle of some sort, like David. Mary is like David, and it will be a giant battle. Her giant is even bigger than David's giant was, because her giant is Satan. The daughter of David, she may be afraid, that's a human fear, but she's going to trust God and his word. The dragon stood before the woman who was about to bear a child, that he might devour her child when she brought it forth. And she brought forth a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. The scepter of David is passed to Jesus her child. That's from Revelation. Back to Luke one thirty one. Behold, you're going to conceive in your womb. You'll bear a son. You'll name him Jesus. And he will be great. And he will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob. How long? Forever. And of his kingdom, there will what? Be no end. That's exactly what we just heard in 2 Samuel 7. Exactly. The Davidic covenant. This is it. This is it. This is it. And behold, your kinswoman Elizabeth in her old age, she's conceived a son in her sixth month. She was called barren, for nothing is impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I'm a handmaid of the Lord. Be it done unto me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And what does Mary do in those days? Mary arose. She went with haste to the hill country right outside of Jerusalem, the hill country of Judah. It's called Ankarim, Israel. But guess what? It's very close to Obed-Edom. You can walk it. It's just a few steps up the road. Remember what Obed-Edom was? Where the ark was parked by David for three months? And remember what happened? The blessing? The blessing of life that came out of that, having the welcoming the ark to your home? The abundant blessing of life for those who welcome and show hospitality and reverence to the ark of Almighty God? Mary entered the house of, Eli- of Zechariah, and she greeted Elizabeth, and Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, and the babe leaped in her womb, the forerunner to Mashiach. John the Baptist, John leapt in his mother's womb because this new Ark of the Covenant was before him, and just like David, he leapt before the Lord, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed in a loud cry, and the term in the Greek is anaphaneson, which means shouts of joy. And guess what? In the Old Testament, that word is only used when the ark of God is present. It's a liturgical phrase about in front of the ark, and it's to exclaim with shouts of joy. Anna Von Nason shouts of joy in front of the ark of the covenant. And Elizabeth exclaims, Blessed! Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Blessed! Blessed, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Jesus, the Father's greatest blessing of eternal life, is brought into the home of Elizabeth right near the home of Obedidum, and it will mean blessing of life. Also, those blessed head crushers. In the Old Testament, blessed be Jael, blessed be Judith, and blessed be David, who is also the head crusher of Goliath, and blessed be you, Mary, daughter of David, and blessed be the fruit of your womb, the Son of God, the Son of David. Mary, blessed are you and blessed is your child, your son, Jesus. Blessed head crushers of Satan, the biggest giant, (laughs) the prince of this world, as John calls him, the snake that exited the garden with them is going to be crushed by a new king and a new queen mother, a new Adam and a new Eve. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me, said Elizabeth? Who does that sound like? David. David said, how can this be that the ark of the Lord would come to me? Inches away. Three months, three months. Behold, when the voice of your greeting came in my ears, the babe in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what the Lord has spoken to her from the Lord. Today, Sunday, is Gedalte Sunday. The Lord is near. Rejoice. It's the feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Rejoice. The one who bore life, who brought the biggest blessing the father could ever give the way back to heaven that was part three of the second book of samuel chapters five through eight on seeking truth with sharon doran to learn more about seeking truth bible studies visit SeekingTruth.net. tune in next time for more seeking truth with sharon doran